Thanks, Alan. Um, I thought you were going to do the offering after communion, so I just put my mint in. You didn't give me enough time to get through my candy. <laughs> but I will say I'm really glad you're doing communion the way you are because now with all that rustle, you don't hear me opening up my candy. <laughs> so that works out pretty well on, on my behalf. Um, man, I'm very thankful to be here today. Uh, I was honored when uh, Joel gave me a call and asked if I would be available and willing to come a couple of Sundays. I'll be with you today, and then two weeks from today, I'll be back with you. I mean, maybe. You know, after today, you may say, no, we really, we've heard enough. Uh, so that's fine. But um, I, I, it's just a, a humbling experience as well. You know, as I think about this church, of course, we attended here uh, when we moved into this area, and there were so many of you that I had met over the years uh, being married into the Likens family, and I even had gone to Myrtle Beach with a few of you and years and years ago and got to know those families. And, and, um, but then there was also these names of people that my wife had known as she was growing up here in this church that I finally got to put the face with and got to know and love and appreciate. And so uh, thank you for our time when we worshiped here. We, we weren't mad. We, we weren't upset. We just got a call that the church needed some help, and uh, we went and led worship with them for uh, a little while and, and enjoyed that. And that season kind of came to a close about the time that quarantine started. And so uh, that's kind of where our life has been. But we really do appreciate, and I am humbled to be here uh, when I think about the people who've stood in this place, it is a humbling experience to be here before you. Uh, you know, I love TJ very, very much. Um, he was a very, very good pastor to you and to us while we were here. And then even afterwards, uh, he was still a very good uh, pastor to me. I, I remember praying up here with TJ one Sunday morning when we had received word. Uh, that my dad was not doing very well, and we took off to Kentucky, and he prayed with us before we left. And, and then when... Dad had his home-going uh, home experience and went to be with the Lord in July. TJ sent me a text and just to let me know he's praying for me. So it's humbling to follow that. Uh, but then I go back even a little further. Uh, Any time that I follow Claude Likens in a pulpit is a humbling experience. Uh, you know, anybody that knows Claude knows what I mean by that. So uh, the fact that he spent so many years here as pastor... And um, it, it's pretty humbling to, to follow. Michelle said, don't worry, you've done this before. And uh, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you walk in the steps of giants sometimes, and in my opinion, that's one of them. I do, uh, I, it is kind of fun for me as well because some of my students are in this congregation. And so I told them this week, hey, I'm going to be preaching at your church Sunday, and there will be a test on Monday. <laughs> and... Uh, they don't believe me, but no, I'm just kidding. So uh, we'll see how well they do. But uh, yeah, it's so cool to see them in a different environment than just seeing them at school and, and not in school uniforms. It's so weird. You know, I don't even hardly recognize them. But I've got some friends here and, of course, family. And so it's great to be back with you uh, today. You know, I think one of the most thrilling things about that we can conclude when we start reading the Bible, um, as you read through it, you realize that God has an incredible, amazing, awesome plan for your life, for my life, for our life. He's got an incredible, amazing, awesome plan for his church. You know, you're in a, a time of transition, and I know right now it's, it's probably sometimes very discouraging as you think about the future of where we're going to go. 
And believe me, we are praying for you that God will lead the perfect pastor. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect pastor, but there's a perfect one for this church. And that he will lead that person to this congregation because it's never good for a flock to be without a shepherd. We know that's when the enemy loves to attack. And so we've been praying for that. There's a great and awesome and mighty plan that God has for this church, for his church, for the pastor who he's preparing for the time that he will come and be here as pastor. But a lot of people would just say, I don't care. It's my life. I'm going to do with it as I please. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live my life as I plan it. And yet they don't realize that this is totally contradictory to what the scripture says. All the way back in Ezekiel, we read, For every living soul belongs to me, the Father as well as the Son. Both alike belong to me. And then he even adds this, The soul who sins is the one who will die. In other words, the, the scripture is telling us, God has this great plan for me. He, he's got a design for my life, specifically for me. He's got a design for us as a church. And when we don't follow that plan, we're actually living in sin. This is continued in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians. God told us the same thing through the Apostle Paul. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We are not our own. We don't own ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves. It's not our way. God has a plan. He has a perfect plan. He created us. He redeemed us. He bought us with his own blood. And his plan then is that we glorify him. I love the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And he says that a lot of people have asked him over his long, long career of pastoring and ministering, you know, what, what is God's will for me? And he says that's the easiest question in the world to answer. God's will for every person is exactly the same that you would love and glorify him and be in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's God's will. Now, his plan will differ. His plan for you and for me are different. He's got a road, a journey for us to take, but his will is that he created us to be in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ and to glorify him. That is his plan. We belong to him. We would glorify him. So then how do we find that? How how can we find that plan? How can we know for sure this is God's plan for me? How can we encourage others to know what God's plan is for their life? How, as a church, can we really know what God's plan is as we try to minister to a community and even beyond? How would we know when that person is placed before us? Is this the man God has called to be our pastor? How will we know? Well, we quoted a verse a little earlier. It's one of the most popular passages of of Scripture that would come to mind. You know, I call them lunchbox Scriptures. Uh, because, you know, they're on blankets, Bible covers, T-shirts, and lunchboxes, you know. I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, you know, I remember one person in my church came one time, he totally unchurched. Um, so, I, you know, you, you just got to kind of excuse that sometimes. But he said, um, man, I was really glad that that person in your church gave that motto. Motto? What are you talking about, you know? Yeah, I see that motto everywhere. I see it on blankets and T-shirts, on bumper stickers. Well, it was a scripture. They just had no clue that it was a scripture. It came like a motto for life, you know. Well, this, I guess, would be a scripture motto, a lunchbox scripture. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably you know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, it's okay that you read from a different translation this morning, because I'm actually going to read from a paraphrase, because I really like the way Eugene Peterson says this in the message. He says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And I, I really like this one because it's simple. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. I like that. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. And he's the one who will keep you on track. God shows the way, but it calls for a decision on our part. God instructs us, trust me in everything with all your hearts from the bottom of your heart. And I've got to be willing to answer that. Will I do that? Will I trust the Lord? Will I trust him in everything? Not just some things, but in everything. Will I acknowledge him? Well, I try to not figure everything out on my own, but trust his guidance. And if so, then we can trust him to direct our paths. So as the Lord speaks to us today through the Holy Spirit and through his word, uh, let's be able to answer that question at the end of this message. Lord, I will trust you with my whole heart. Well, the first thing he tells us is to trust God. How many really, really trust God? I know in my years, and I spent over 20 years in full-time ministry and now, you know, in, in teaching ministry. And uh, I have found very few people really in my lifetime that totally, fully, 100% trust God. Now, there are a lot of people that trust God in a lot of things. Some trust him in most things. But do we trust him in everything? In everything. And I'm, I'm as guilty as you are. There's things that, you know, I trust the Lord fully in, and I know he's going to work things out. I, I've never been one, and coming from a pastor's home growing up and being in the ministry myself, you would think this would be a concern that I would have. I really never worried about finances. Just never did. The Lord just kind of always said, I'm going to take care of you. You know, and he has. He always has. I just never kind of worry about it. Now, I've got my full bucket of other things that I worry about that I don't trust the Lord in. But, you know, that one seemed to be okay. There's things I trust him with fully, wholeheartedly. And then there's things that, well, you know, Lord, I'm doing okay taking care of this. And he'll say, well, are you really? Are you really doing okay? Because God's not just going to take them and make me trust him. That's not what trust is all about. Years ago, and, and those of you who don't know me real well, um, it wouldn't take you long. If you spent even a day with me, you would learn that I am absolutely terrified of heights. Terrified. And um, everybody kind of knows this about me. I just don't like them. I actually took a job with a friend years, years ago when we first got married. Uh, we, we, did, we worked with churches that were needing PA system upgrades or installations, and we got this call <laughs> and we walked in, and the speaker system was about 45 feet straight up above the platform. And I looked at my buddy Reagan, and I said, I quit. And I left. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. He's like, Sean, this job pays great. I don't, there's not enough money. You know what I mean? I am not going to do it. So um, years ago when I was in youth ministry, I grew up in West Virginia. And so, um, you know, I, we, we went to this youth camp in West Virginia. I took my youth group. And they divided us up into family groups. And so um, each family group, you would earn points for competitions, and you would compete against other families. And 
I'm going to win. I mean, I'm just that competitive. My family, we're going to win, you know. So every day I'm pushing them, I'm motivating them. And then Thursday came, and, you know, I didn't look ahead to know what the plans were. Had I, I would have, like, maybe tried to die or something Wednesday night because <laughs> the Thursday plan was we were going to go up on this mountain where there's this 60-foot cliff, and we're going to repel. They've hired this crew to come in, and we're going to repel down the side of that cliff. I did die a couple of times, by the way. I mean, just walking up there, I'm like, I'm, this, I, my heart has stopped. I'm done, you know. So we get up there, and I'm like, I can't not show the, the youth that I have fear. You know, I've got to stay strong for them. So all the way up, I'm encouraging them. I'm not trying not to think about it, you know. <laughs> distract, distract, you know. Well, we get up there, and I'm like, okay, you go first, you know. And, you know, maybe the, the, the guys doing the repelling will be tired by the time I get there or something. So, you know, I'm putting the youth on. And, and they're scared. You know, they're scared. You know, I mean, you always have that one crazy kid that's like, oh, I'll do it, you know. And then you, you have all the rest of them that are like, I can't do it, I can't do it. So I'm trying to encourage them, you know, hey, it's okay. And then I came up with this great mantra, this great, this great motto. Trust the harness. Trust the rope. You can do this. Just trust it. And the kids would go down, and, and, and they were doing great. Every kid, trust the harness. Trust the rope. You can do this. And then I turn around and there's no more kids. <laughs> and they look at me and it's my turn. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. This is just not going to happen. This is just not going to happen. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm explaining all of my reasoning as the guy is getting me harnessed up. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, you know, but you need to take this off of me, you know. And they turn me around and get me in place. And then I hear... 100, which sounded like a 1,000 youth at the time, going, trust the harness, <laughs> trust the rope, you'll be okay. And I'm like, where would they have ever come up with such a ridiculous notion? <laughs> this is crazy. This is ridiculous. But I took a step, and sure enough, the harness grabbed a hold of me. And I got down the side of that cliff faster than any kid ever did. I'm like, I'm getting down. And I got down to the bottom, and I felt good. I was glad that it was over, and the kids were glad, and we did win that week, by the way. But, you know, man, so many times the Lord has led me right to the edge of a cliff. And I've just said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to take that step. And the Lord's just saying, trust me. Trust my word. Have I ever let you down? You can trust me. Well, but Lord, you just don't understand. <laughs> don't you love telling the Lord he doesn't understand? <laughs> so many times. So we just, there's so many times we just truly don't trust the Lord. And you know, the word says, trust him with all your heart. You know, when you really study in scripture what the heart means, it's, it's not just that organ, that muscle in your body that's pumping blood. It's part of it. The heart means physically. It talks about physically. You should trust the Lord physically with your body. Now, I'm all for it, and I like Alan's, or, uh, your prayer. You know, God's given us this amazing amount of wisdom that we have in medical technology. I'm so thankful for it. But do I just trust that, or do I pray about it as well? Do I trust the Lord with my body? Do I trust the Lord with my mind? Do I trust the Lord with my emotions? Because see, when the Bible talked about the heart, it talked about the seat of everything. 
your body, your mind, your emotions, everything about you. Is that the way that I really trust the Lord? Trust Him with all your heart. Love Him with all your heart. Serve Him with all your heart. When God calls you to a task or a service, man, our attitude just ought to be anytime, anywhere, Lord, I'm willing to do it. Because I trust you. There's a man out there praying. I believe this with all my heart. He's a pastor. He's been in the ministry and he's just praying, Lord, I don't know where you're going to lead me. I don't know who the people are. I don't know what kind of church it's going to be, but I trust you. I don't know anything about that community. I don't know anything about what kind of ministries that will happen, but I trust you. And there are people in this church that are praying, Lord, we don't know what kind of pastor you're going to send us. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know if he's going to do this or that or how he's going to lead us. But Lord, we trust you. We trust you. Do we really live with that kind of trust for our church? Do you live with that kind of trust for your family? Do you live with that kind of trust for yourself, with your own life, with everything you are from the bottom of your heart? Well, I love the way the message makes that second point. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. You know, we, we like the lean not unto your own understanding. But really, just don't try to figure everything out on your own. Um, I'm pretty good at that. I think I'm pretty smart. You know, I mean, I, I, I finished my doctorate degree during quarantine, you know. I mean, others were like, quarantine. I'm like, yes, I got time to finish my doctorate, you know. I mean, literally, I had told my wife before we got sent home from school, I said, if I had about three weeks that I didn't have to worry about anything else, and two days later, they said, we're going home for three weeks. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Oh, so, you know, I think I'm smart. You know, I've got some wisdom. I mean, you know, I can figure this out. Yeah. So years ago, uh, my son, when he first started getting into to cars, um, our son is an incredible mechanic. He, he builds cars. He built an incredible muscle car in our garage. He absolutely knew nothing about it. And he would go to people and say, teach me how to do this. Don't do it. Teach me how to do it. And then he'd get in and he would do it. And then, of course, in the world today, he was always just watching videos of how to do this, how to do this. And then he'd be out in the garage doing it. And he built this beautiful 79 Firebird. It's gorgeous. Destroyed our garage, but it's a beautiful car. <laughs> and we loved it. We loved having him out there working. I learned a lot because I do nothing, nothing about cars. But I figured I'm pretty smart, you know. So... Um, but the first car he ever bought, somebody backed into it, dented up his front end a little bit, and he, he got the insurance money. He said, Dad, we can do all this repair, and then I can have extra money to do some cool stuff in my car that I want to do. And one thing he really wanted to do is he wanted to put a new hood on his car. It was a little sportier type hood, and I'm like, oh, yeah, son, we can paint this. We can do this. So we bought the hood, and, and there was a man in our church that worked at a body shop, and so he came over. Gave us some instructions, you know, and said, this is what you're going to do. And this is what you're gonna... We can do this. I mean, I've watched the TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I can do this. So it came time to primer it. And I basically came into the house and told Michelle, there is not a better primer on the face of the earth than me. I am really good at priming a car. I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect. So then we get to the stage where now it's a, it's a coat of paint. And so, you know, we go out, and we did all of our measurements and thinned it down and everything. And I go out there, and I'm like, paint. And I'm like, wow, there's not a better painter on the face of the earth. I mean, I should be teaching people how to do this, right? 
I mean, for those of you who don't know anything about painting cars and things like that, the next step is you put on a clear coat. Now, clear coat is from the gates of hell. And um, <laughs> anybody that's ever worked with that should know what I mean. But when you're putting it together, it, what you have to do is you have to take the clear, and then you put this stuff in it that's called hardener. Don't forget that. Hardener. And so um, you mix a little bit of it, you put it on there, and so I get ready to start. Well, I got a couple of, of runs. Now, the guy that was teaching, he said, don't, you will. He said, don't worry about that. You will. They're easy. You just wet sand that out. It'll be fine. No problem. But, you know, it demoralized me a little bit. I'm like, I wanted a perfect thing from the beginning. And, okay, so that's fine. So after I finished, put the first coat of the clear coat on, I still had some in my paint cup. And I thought, man, I hate to lose this. You know, what am I going to, why are you laughing at me already? <laughs> it gets worse. And so uh, I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to lose that idea of ideas comes to my head. I'm like, why don't I just go ahead and pre-mix all of it? Now, they call this stuff hardener for a reason. Okay. So I mix that whole can, you know, every bit of it. Get it all mixed. I'm like, what a genius idea. Next time it'll be ready. <laughs> Later that night, I'm thinking, that might not have been the best idea. And so the next morning I got up and I saw my son. He said, Dad, I was thinking. I'm like, I know, I know. So we went out and we opened it up. And I had this piece of glass that was the exact, exact shape of the inside of a can. Piece of hard, I mean, it was that hard. It was just, I mean, we used it as like a, a paperweight forever. You know, they call it hardener because it's going to harden. And I thought, you idiot. You just wasted all that money, now all this time because you thought you had a really good idea. Nobody was hurt. No, no big deal. But man, it, it kind of taught me a lesson. You know, if, if I'm not faithful with these little things, then I'm probably not very faithful with the big ones either. And if I'm trying to figure out things like this on my own with just the littlest things, then I'm probably trying to figure out the big things on my own too. And if I think I've got such wonderful, great ideas with just something as simple as this, then I probably think that I've got such wonderful, great ideas with the big things as well. And it really humbled me. It really brought me to my knees to say, Lord, please bring me some money that I can buy my son some work. No, it was, Lord, I need to quit trying to figure everything out on my own. I learned my lesson. He taught me. You know, it, it took some clear coat to teach me. But, Lord, thanks for the lesson. I really need to trust you. I need to try to even trust you, even in the littlest things, and not try to figure everything out on my own. God's wisdom is always perfect. Ours is never perfect. He's never made a mistake. He's never been wrong. God's never had to go back and say, well, that wasn't such a good idea. How many times have we had to do that? Well, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. It's a perfect plan. It's a plan that lives that requires to completely, totally trust him and let him figure everything out. But it also requires that we listen to his voice in everything, everywhere. You know, that's basically just saying, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. 
You know, the Lord is the one that's guiding me. The Lord is the one directing me. Do you know what one of the most difficult things, I used to tell TJ this, and I've told other pastors this, the most difficult thing for a pastor to hear after a sermon is, you did a nice job preaching. (laughs) Good sermon. It's not mine. You know, I've always said I'm not a sermon writer. I'm a sermon receiver. You know, it's the Lord's words. I want to give the Lord credit. And I had a man in my church years ago, and this is how I used to leave every Sunday. I'd tell TJ this. Today, pastor, you were good clay. Because that's really the goal of every pastor. Lord, just let me be good clay. Mold me, make me, move me, use me, however you want me to be. But just make me good clay. You're the potter. It's your words. I want to give credit where credit was due. And there's two ways that we can do this. The first way is that we sense his presence with us always. Do we really live a life where we live in the presence of our Lord? Now, it's going to change the way you live. If you really live knowing that the Holy Spirit lives and resides in me, what choices will I make? How will I treat other people? How will I live my life if the Lord himself is living within me through the Holy Spirit? Can I do this knowing the Holy Spirit lives within me? Should I do this? Knowing the Holy Spirit is with me. So we have to live with that presence. Paul said to the church in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, but it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My daughter is in a ministry position at her college out in Seattle, and she said they're going through the book of Philippians. And she said, got any great words of wisdom for me? I said, you know, one of the things that I really love about the the book of Philippians, and another pastor shared this with me years ago. He said, you know, he said, I think Paul was maybe a little bit immature when he wrote Philippians. Because there's a lot of I in Philippians. The the lunchbox verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because later he writes, it's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. He said that to the church in, in Philippi. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Are we really practicing the presence of Jesus moment by moment. And the second way to do that is to seek the pleasure of Christ. Do I really live a life where I'm seeking the pleasure of the Lord? Can I live knowing every night when I go to bed, I can say, Lord, I think you're pleased with me today. I think you're pleased with your son. About uh, 10 years ago now, I decided the Lord was kind of leading me to, to head back to seminary and get my master of divinity. We were pastoring. It was a tough, tough church, man. We, while I was there, I, I really thought, man, either, either the Lord's going to have to come or he's going to have to take me because I, I drained myself spiritually, mentally, physically. I was just, it was too much. And um, just really a tough situation. And so uh, while we were there, um, I thought, well, I need something. I, I'm going to start seminary. I'm going to go back and get my Master of Divinity. And so I was in seminary, and it was on the campus of Indiana Wesleyan University. I'd go there, I'd spend all day Thursdays, and there was one, it was an hour drive for me to get to the school, and um, one Thursday, I felt like a total failure. I just felt like I could not do anything, and that didn't, that wasn't just pastoring, I felt like that with my family, I felt like that in every single way, I just felt like a total failure, and on the way, I really felt like, and this has happened a couple of times in my life, like the Holy Spirit just said to me, do you realize that you are pleasing to your father? And then these words came. Your father 
is proud of you. I mean, you know, after sitting on the side of the road crying for a few minutes, I got back on the road and, and got to school. And for some reason that day, our professor had a project, a little assignment for us. Um, he said, I want you to go out to the school and I want you to just sit. And I want you to watch the student body. These are all the undergrads, you know, those at Indiana Wesleyan. I want you to just watch them. And as the Lord prompts you, to, if you see someone, then you stop and you start praying. But don't talk to them. Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not going to do that. So um, I saw these. I was sitting, and I saw these groups of, group of students that had come together, and they were struggling a little bit. They were talking together. And uh, it, uh, the Lord just, forget what Dr. Lucchetti said. I'm going to talk to this group. And I went up, and I put my arms around and said, look, I'm a pastor. I'm here at the seminary. The Lord's just really led me. I, I want to pray for you. So I prayed for him. Well, as I was leaving, a girl that wasn't in that group followed me out. And she kept saying, sir, sir, sir. And I thought, you know, she's not talking to me. But finally she got my attention. And I turned around and she said, I've never done anything like this in my life, but I need to tell you something. I saw what you just did. And there's a message that I have to give to you. I don't know what this means. But your father is proud of you. That's living in the presence and in the pleasure of the Lord. Is that the kind of life that you live? Is it the kind of life that every day you know? I can go to bed tonight saying, I've lived in his presence and I've lived in his pleasure. Well, let me finish with this. The Bible gives us a promise that if we live this kind of life, he's going to be the one to keep us on track. He's going to be the one to send us the right way. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. When we trust him, when we glorify him, when we acknowledge him in all things, and we're not trying to figure things out on our own, when we glorify him and live in his presence, live in his pleasure, then we can just relax because he is going to set us on the right track. You know, there are some places that don't make much sense where the Lord might send you. Go anyway. There are some things the Lord might, Lord might lead you to do that you think, this is crazy, do it anyway. There are some things that you think, Lord, there's a shortcut that it'd be much easier to go this way and just go the long way. Just do it. Just go because he will direct your path. Let me just end with one little quick story. I love stories and my students know this. They actually, they play games before they come to my classroom. Let's just get Mr. Easterly on a story and then that'll take the whole class and they know it. So, um, but they're good stories, you know. So there's no story about a young man that, that, uh, he loves riding his bicycle. He's riding his bicycle. He's going place to place, town to town, but he never stops. He, he doesn't have time to stop. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. He doesn't want to spend any time with anybody. He has his stuff. He doesn't want to give any of that away, and he doesn't want to take anything from anybody else. Just leave me alone. I'm on my path. I'm on my journey. Let me do it, and he goes. And one day he comes across the little town, and he meets this man named Jesus. And Jesus says, why don't you let me on your bike? Let's... Let's take this tandem bike, you know, the two-seater deal. Me and you. And I thought, okay. And so I got on the front, and I put Jesus on the back. And if I'd have never looked back, I'd have never known he was there. I still took every shortcut, every flat, straight road, didn't stop at any places, and didn't take anything from anybody, didn't leave anything. And then one day Jesus said, I got an idea. Why don't you let me Take the front. I thought, oh, okay, how bad can it be? 
Oh, my goodness. He took me down every curvy road. We went down valleys that were so deep, I didn't think they'd ever end. And then we climbed up mountains that I thought, I'll never make it to the top. But every day, he would just look back over his shoulder and he would just say, just keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling. We had to stop at every little town and talk to every person there. And everything we'd have, he'd give it away. And then people would give us other stuff. And we'd go to the next town. And he'd look behind and he'd say, just keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling. There may be some times that you want to take a shortcut or a flat, straight, easy road. Just know that the Lord's always the one guiding you. And though the road may be a deep valley you think's never going to come to a close or you think you're going up a mountain that you can't climb, or you think, Lord, why are we stuck right here in this little place doing this? Or maybe you're even in a place where you're like, Lord, I could just stay here forever. Realize that it's, he's the one that's steering. And he's the one who's directing our paths. But know that every day he's looking over his shoulder. And he's just saying, just keep pedaling. Just keep pedaling. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. For you, for your family, for this church. Lord, I'm so thankful and grateful today for this opportunity again to share your word, to be in this church that I love and have loved us. And Lord, today as we come to the, the, this time, I think there are probably some that trust you. They were just ready to amen when it comes time to trust the Lord. They knew what we were talking about. But Lord, even those most faithful could say, I could trust you more. Lord, I've got this one thing that I'm still worried about. Or I've got my bucket of stuff that I'm worried about. I need to trust you. Lord, we need to acknowledge you. We don't need to trigger, uh, try to figure everything out our own. We don't need to try to be the ones that are in charge. We need to follow your path. We need to let you direct us in all your ways. Lord, we need to live in your presence and in your pleasure. And Lord, trusting you, living this life, we know you're going to make the path, the plan that you want us to, to be on. And there's no better place on the face of the earth than the road that leads to heaven. And that's the path you have us on. Lord, there may be some who just want to spend some time in prayer where they're at, or they may want to pray with others. I don't know. I'm just going to let you lead as we sing a closing song. And I thank you again for your presence that's here. Now just move among us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, again, we thank you for this time to be together. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and just share with family and friends. And Lord, as we go from this place, let us not forget your word. Let us trust you in everything with all our hearts, with all of our minds. Let us not lean on our own understanding, Lord, but not trying to figure everything out on our own, but Lord, just trusting you to guide and direct us. Let us acknowledge you in all things by living in the presence of Jesus and living in the pleasure of Jesus, knowing that you've got a great plan and path for every one of us, and you're turning around and just saying, just keep on pedaling. We're gonna make this together. 
go with us, Lord. Keep us safe. And Lord, just bring us back together again so we can fellowship. Lord, I continue to pray for an end to all this madness. My students, we pray every day. Help those that are searching. Let them find an answer soon. Let this be a part of our history in the very near future. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again. God bless you.